0: Today's episode of Raptor's Reasonable is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to raptors.robinhood.com. That's raptors.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield, APY, on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonable Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Eric Kareen did such a poor job hosting, although admittedly we, we need some quality of teammate metrics here. We need to, um, what is it, core QOT here to judge Eric's one week spent in the host chair. Eric, what's going on, man? How tough was that?
1: I, I also feel like we need a, a larger sample size um, as long as we're getting into analytic talk. Podcast analytic talk right off the bench, or off the bat rather. This is why I shouldn't be host. I just can't say the proper words all the time. Uh, Blake, you were missed Uh, having to carry around the unreasonablest when he wasn't even leaning into the shtick, and being unreasonable was not easy. Uh, Again, we remain thankful that somebody tried and failed to fill your shoes. I guess two people: me as host and. And him as me, uh, I think there's a reason. We've got the, you know, the je ne sais quoi, the chemistry that really brings the thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners to this tiny and corner
0: of the millions. internet. <laughs> yeah. I don't know uh, we welcome, b-
1: welcome back, man. Welcome back.
0: Thanks. It's been a long couple of weeks. A lot of time on the road. For a secret project. And then in New York and San Antonio.
1: Yeah, but uh, be be thankful that I'm saving you from a lovely trip to Cleveland and Detroit.
0: Yes, thanks so much. I, mostly that you're saving me from a long car ride with Waz. Yeah. Oh, uh, I will
1: talk I, I about jump, that trip toward the Yeah, end. D- don't let it ever... It, it should never be said that I don't jump on some grenades here.
0: Yes. All right, um, so while I was gone... The Toronto Raptors, or while I was with the Toronto Raptors, the, they continued to beat everyone. Some not great competition. Um, it was kind of kind of a high emotion trip for a lot of reasons. Um, it started out with the that obvious high of Pascal Siakam getting to be announced as an all-star starter. And I got to be there when he found out and his brother surprised him. And, you know, it was obviously a very touching night. And he spoke very emotionally about his father and wishing he could be there. Um, to experience it with them and things like that. And then obviously Sunday, um, the passing of Kobe Bryant, which I understand some people might be contented out on at this point, but that very much still hung over things on Tuesday night as the Raptors hosted the Atlanta Hawks. Several players had um, messages on their shoes about Kobe, about Gigi about the nine uh, the nine people who passed away in that tragic helicopter accident. Um, a couple of players wore, kobe gear coming in including norman powell who had kobe's eight turned sideways as an infinity symbol on his sweater um there was a a very nice video package for kobe bryant before the game and then 24 seconds of silence to honor him as well um eric did you did you still feel that emotion pretty high in the arena on tuesday
1: certainly with the players um I mean, you were there on 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 Sunday and can speak to that better, and, and we will in a bit, but, you know, this is a team that is one of the, you know, toughest, most mentally strong teams in the league, and they're at a place where they didn't want to talk about it before the game, which, you know, I have no judgment here. I, like, people should talk or not talk about things, you know, the grieving process uh, at their own discretion. But, you know, it, it's... Uh, Kobe touched everybody in, in you know, ways big and small. His, his impact, you know, I, I thought Pascal Siakam's quote on Tuesday night about how he never really had a relationship with Kobe and he turned down an opportunity to go to Kobe's uh, Mamba camp uh this this summer cuz he had other commitments uh and how that like in hindsight he just wishes he hadn't done that and he'd been able to go but he talked about like being featured in in detail which which Kobe does or did sorry still getting used to tenses uh for ESPN and how validating that was and how meaningful it was to have somebody uh to have Kobe break down his game and break down what he does well. Uh, you know, this is a guy who meant a ton to the players who were who have been in the league for a long time. Uh, it was sort of, you know, the Raptors playing the Spurs on Sunday because of DeMar DeRozan uh, really seemed appropriate uh, for those two teams, at least. And even younger guys, you saw how how much it affected Trey Young on, on Sunday. He, uh, he had worn number eight before going back to his, his usual number to start the game. He had met Kobe and and Gigi uh, earlier in the season uh, when they attended a Lakers Hawks game. It's, it's one of the biggest stories I can remember in basketball period. And certainly up there steve kerr called it the saddest day in nba history and you know i haven't been around the league as long as he has uh but i'm inclined to agree and we're gonna be feeling it for a while
0: yeah um yeah i think that pretty much sums it up you know there were sunday was tough it was just he obviously meant so much to so many people and then that's before getting into you know his daughter and his fatherhood and you know maybe the the ways in which he was trying to atone for some of the other things you know i don't know it's messy and complicated and i don't i know there's been criticism about they shouldn't have played or how it's handled or whatever or guys changing their jersey number or not. And I think it's just important to remember that everyone is going to grieve differently and everyone's going to kind of process in their own way. And if this, you know, if some guys wanted to play and that's, that's cool and that's great. And that's how they wanted to feel connected to Kobe. And then the guys who sat out or the guys who tried to play and were visibly going through it, those things are okay too. Um, And then, I mean, even for fans, like I'm sure there are a lot of fans who are still really saddened by it and You know, this is kind of what sports does is you create those connections. And I don't know that anyone did that more than than Kobe did with other players in the league and just with the kind of enormity of his personality and his impact on the game. So um, I think that'll be, you know, I I think obviously it'll peter out a little bit in terms of the tributes and the way people feel game to game. Uh, But I think Friday at Staples Center is going to be you know, a really emotional night, I think the all-star game, which I'd imagine the league is going to do something like, you know, one team wears Jersey number 24, the other team wears Jersey number eight, something like that um, to honor him. It's uh, it's really sad.
1: Yeah. uh, And I mean, I wasn't a Kobe fan. I sort of thought he was a bit overrated and in the way we talked about him, Um, you you know, certainly some people arguing that he's one of like the five greatest players of all time. I just personally, I can't make that case. And yet he was absolutely himself on the court. Absolutely. You know, unique. Uh, the way he, you know, Lakers games in Toronto were just different than all other games. And that's because Kobe had a following that was unlike any other player. Like even, even LeBron is just a different feel with Kobe. You know, he was almost a uh, to the people who loved him. He was, you know, a cult leader. He was a religion almost um, to, to, or to some people. Uh, and you know, not all, <laughs> goes without saying, not all of that was great. I think the way, what you touched on, the way he was trying to, he appeared, you know, I, I didn't know him. The way he appeared to be trying to improve from his, you know, very, very bad mistakes was noble. Um, it's what we wish more people would do when they do screw up uh, in ways both big and small. Um, neither of us are fathers, but obviously going to dying as you're taking your kid to go play in a rec sports game or not rec sport, but you know, a a, a basketball game you- is, it, it, it hits hard. Um, I don't know what much, more there is to say it's it's really sad and even though i as i said i'm not the biggest i was never the biggest kobe fan and i had never even had these thoughts about him and his his evolution until sunday it's really it's hit me too uh it's it's tough and it's and moving on to you know issues like all-star reserves and uh, the trade deadline it feels a bit trivial and we're gonna do it because people care and kobe I, i mean we're not doing it because kobe loved basketball and this is the nba the pinnacle of basketball you know we're not doing it for him we're doing it because we all care about this stuff and he cared about this stuff and and so we'll move on to that but this is it's a very very heavy one and i think it's going to linger for a long long time
0: yep i think it is as well and yeah the you mentioned a trade deadline that's a week away we'll probably talk about that a little more next week's podcast um we have to move on on this podcast as well uh the toronto raptors played tuesday night it's uh Looked a lot like the other three, t- the other times they played the Hawks this year. The Raptors win one thirty-one fourteen, their eighth win in a row. Eric, not to, not a lot to take away from a, a third time beating the Atlanta Hawks, but I guess my question would be, I guess my first question is, are you tired of seeing them?
1: <laughs> they are, they are to uh, to the Raptors now as the Orlando Magic was to them in November. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen. I've seen the Trey Young and the and the Treyettes. Uh, you know, two two times in eight days is enough.
0: Well, apparently uh, not enough times for you to remember a second Atlanta Hawk. Uh,
1: no, I mean John Collins, man. I think John Collins is hashtag actually good, even though he was a game worst minus thirty one, I believe. On uh, he also when, like body
0: checked people like five times. He's out of control. I love it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoy the work of, as I like to call him, new pornographer's bassist, John Collins. Uh, the new pornographer's bassist is also named John Collins. That's the entirety. It for Columbia House Party, Eric. That's the entirety of the joke. Um, yeah, the Hawks are bad. They don't play a lick of anything when, I mean, there's like Vince's you know a high arcing three over og that they that exchanged a laugh over that was good fun i guess uh vince had some cool moments um but yeah i'm sick of the hawks we don't see them again until is that the home closer for the raptors it is the second
0: last home game
1: okay the knicks are the
0: home finale great
1: just great (laughs)
0: awesome awesome
1: (laughs) so that's good to know we have one more of these stretches at least coming
0: oh yeah they're april they go at washington at charlotte atlanta Knicks, at miami at orlando to close the season yeah of their final six games like orlando is fine but that's a cherry if you need some load management or some nights off down the stretch
1: Yeah, no, and right now we're in the... I I can't even remember who came before the Knicks and who cares, but we're we're in the middle of... Philadelphia,
0: it was the one meaningful win in this eight-game I guess Oklahoma City was a good
1: win, too. uh, And that Philly team was undermanned, but we're in the middle of uh, Knicks, Spurs, which is interesting and obviously took on a different meaning, but then Hawks, Cavs, Pistons... uh, Bulls, Bulls, Wizards, Super Bowl Sunday, (laughs) the mess
0: of a Timberwolves team.
1: Yeah, there's a back-to-back against the Pacers in there, so that should be more interesting. But God, this is a brutal stretch of when trying to draw conclusions. This is not. uh, This is not particularly helpful. I, I think it was Brett Brown who said about the Raptors game. You know. I, I don't remember if it was Brown or Nick Nurse. He said, "You know, all games matter the same amount, and and you t- approach them with the same seriousness. And winning any game in this league is hard, which it is. Like even think back to that last game against the Hawks. Not this past, not the one on on Tuesday, the, but the one game. prior, Lit- yeah, the literal prior trap week. game. Yeah, um, you know, the Hawks almost came back from that. It got way too close because you know most teams have at least one or two spectacular players who can make." Uh, things happen and, and cut a lead in a hurry. Uh but for evaluation purposes, those games are a lot less meaningful than the games against good teams. Cause just the level of play and the level of intensity tend to be uh at more predictable levels in those matches versus what we're seeing lately. Luckily, I have a
0: daily sports podcast I want to tell you about
1: from Wondery and the Athletic.
0: It's called The Lead. Every weekday morning, The Lead brings you a deep dive into the biggest sports stories of the day from The Athletic's all-star team of local and national sports reporters. Stories like, where did the 49ers' new star running back Raheem Mostert come from? Or, what can Zion Williamson do for the Pelicans? So if you're looking for the full story behind last night's scores and today's hot takes, make sure you subscribe to The Lead from Wondery and The Athletic. Eric, one other question flows from the Hawks game last night. Is Vince Carter now the NBA's all-time leader in video tributes received?
1: (laughs) Uh, He's got to be up there. I I mean, did Dwayne Wade get one for every road game he played last year? I don't know about everyone, but he certainly got
0: the, like, jersey exchange and everything.
1: Yeah, I think, like, so Dwayne Wade, if you count, like, what, the 25 or 30 he would have got from the Heat over his career— Plus, let's say, ten to fifteen—that he would have got from the, you know, other teams in the league. He's probably up there. Kobe's probably up there. Um, Dirk, you did—I don't remember seeing as much from Dirk last year. So I bet Vince is—I, I, you know, third and and climbing. Uh, I would say yeah, I, he I think, probably
0: has the most in Toronto.
1: Oh yes, um, yeah. I, I think I, I don't know when the first one would have happened if the first one really was uh, that game against Memphis where the crowd, you know, suddenly went from a heel response to a to a the face Memphis response. Game? Yes. What did I say? I don't know. I, was just uh, I, meant, I meant to say the Memphis game. Um, I think I. I don't know if he's got one every year since, uh, but I feel like many cases he has because the Raptors are always celebrating one anniversary or another. Um, yeah, he's he's got to be at like at least five or six right now. Um, and that's as a visitor. So he probably got some, you know, as player of the week or all-star player of the month. So he's, you know, it'd be safe to put him up at 15 with at least one more to come, right? <laughs> Yeah, definitely, and then uh,
0: you know when the one-day contract comes this summer.
1: Yeah, but will that happen in these in Scotiabank Arena with a crowd full of? I guess there will still probably be a tribute, just not on the big screen. Speaking of
0: all-time great Toronto Raptors, one thing that actually mattered coming from Tuesday night's game: Kyle Lowry passed Jose Calderon as the franchise's all-time leader in assists. Calderon held the record with 3,770. Lowry pushed by it in the fourth with a kind of an outlet pass to Terrence Davis, finished the game with 3,772. As a Toronto Raptor, Jose Calderon offered a a very nice message via Twitter video and then a Twitter post. Um, The Raptors had lots of things ready to go, like social posts and a, a video in the arena. His Raptors teammates were extremely aware that the record was close since the game was out of hand. And Pascal Siakam danced like crazy, like every pass Kyle made uh, leading up to the final assist. And then his teammates mobbed him when uh, when he got the record. Eric, you've covered Kyle basically his entire time in Toronto. I know you spoke to him a little bit last night afterward, too. Uh, how cool was was that um, to see and how, I mean, it feels very, very fitting that Lowry holds that record. He's probably not going to catch DeMar's scoring record. He'll pass Vince later this year for third in all-time franchise scoring. Uh, but him being at the top of the assist leaderboard, given what he's meant to the franchise and given that a large, large part of his value has been making teammates better. Uh, it feels right that he's at the top of that list.
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just get a kick of when Lowry goes stat stat hunting in any (laughs) particular way because that's not really his game like even when he has huge stat nights it's like box score stat nights obviously we're talking about it doesn't feel like he's trying to do any one thing in particular and his value is driven so much by the other stuff that it feels like Lowry was keenly aware of how far he was from 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 Calderon by the end of that game. And, and just like, you know, making plays to set him up for an assist, which is, you know, he has obviously a lot of assists in his career, but he certainly doesn't hunt some in a way, in the way he was then. So that was neat to me. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's not like there's, you don't even think assists when you think of Kyle Lowry um last year i believe was his highest average um just because of the role he was forced into not forced it into it was he averaged uh, 8.7 yeah. per game yeah and he was pretty near the top of the list uh in the league uh but uh, that's not i don't. don't think of like oh Kyle's best passes really what i what i think of Kyle but as you say like spiritually assists represent you know, making the most of your teammates and helping them get to a level they couldn't get without you. Uh, That is certainly the bulk of Kyle Lowry's value is doing things that represent that, making players better, whether it's just from being in the right place defensively or calling out a switch or or whatever it might be. So if he's going to have, you know, one franchise record and a box score statistic. I think he's probably number one in steals too. I'm, I'm not positive about that offhand, but uh, if not, he's close. But assists feels right. And uh, in the middle of the year, especially after a few days as somber as the days we've seen, uh, uh, having something so fun and, and something the Raptors were clearly so excited about as, as a team, it, it was... Nice to see that and and watching Ryan Wolstat lose his glasses last night during the the game uh, really brought some joy into proceedings.
0: There you go. Was, man. What a a character. Um, You mentioned that Lowry, you know, a lot of the value Lowry provides doesn't maybe show up in the box score. So assists are the best way we can approximate that. Um, Eric, that's something you should maybe write about this week.
1: I don't know. I, I You think people would be interested in that?
0: I don't know. I think people would be interested in reading something about why more casual fans or people who don't watch the Raptors as intently uh, have trouble appreciating Lowry's value sometime through the lens of will Lowry be named uh, to his sixth All-Star team on Thursday night when All-Star reserves are announced? I think people would read that maybe Thursday
1: morning. Yeah, well, just to um, throw a little... A little um, teaser, your way. Here's a quote from a player that I will I will not name, who uh, is not on the Raptors, who was speaking to Lowry's excellence. If you don't appreciate him, it's probably because there are so many losers walking around.
0: Yep, that'll <laughs> that'll do it.
1: That'll be a, if I don't get that in the story, then uh, revoke my revoke my writing credentials take away my pbwa card which doesn't exist but you know it's...
0: i'll I'll tell you this much if you don't use that in the story i'm gonna find some way to use it in a in a different story about like nothing at, like i'll just shoehorn it in there <laughs> dude there, look there are a lot of losers walking around and that explains the raptors beating the chicago bulls for the franchise record tying 11th winner or something like that um I love that guy, the person who gave you that quote. He is very, very funny.
1: Yeah. So uh, some th- might even say villainous. <laughs> Thursday morning. Make sure you check it out. Uh, uh, speaking uh, of, I, I mean, he's it.
0: he's obviously saying losers. Uh, you know, he's not being the most serious about that or the most biting. Um, he's being funny and casual. But one of the things that I think that that gets at is that a lot of what Lowry does drives winning. And that is sometimes hard to quantify until you can kind of zoom out, which I did. And I updated a chart uh, Wednesday morning. It's a chart that people have probably seen from me before, including articles or posts on Twitter. And it's just Kyle Lowry's um, wowie impact, the with or without you impact since the start of the 2015-16 season, including playoffs. And it's just a sea of green in terms of how he boosts teammates net ratings when they're with him versus when they're without him and their true shooting percentages Um, Over the course of those five seasons, including playoffs, the Raptors are 6.1 points per 100 possessions better with Lowry on the floor. They go from being a plus 7 team to uh, a plus 1 team without him. And their true shooting percentage is 2.6 percentage points higher with him on the court. And this holds for like not every player like there are a couple Rondé Hollis Jefferson has a weird thing where he's like dramatically better without Lowry because most of his good Raptors minutes came in that stretch where Lowry was hurt and the Davis Hollis Jefferson Boucher trio was thriving off the bench and
1: and also everybody knows that Philly products or Philly near products can't share the floor with one another that's just of course
0: of course um and then there are things like Kyle Lowry, even the enormity of Kyle Lowry, hasn't been able to help like Patrick McCaw's net rating or Luis Scola's net rating um, back in that season where he was getting those six-minute cameos at the start of each half. But for the most part, Lowry has helped drive the success of a lot of teammates, most notably guys like Jonas Valanciunas, Patrick Patterson, Damari Carroll, um, Biz, Bebe, pretty much anyone who is not... I mean, I was going to say pretty much anyone who's not capable of creating offense for themselves, but that's not even true because even guys like Kawhi and DeMar got that bump. Kyle Lowry's just really good at basketball and it makes it makes basketball a lot easier for the players around him.
1: Yeah. Um, but I mean, personally, I'd move him to sixth man and let Fred start.
0: I would trade him for Jeff Teague or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Top doesn't, tier doesn't,
1: doesn't care about the right things, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. Um, all right. One less happy note from that game is that the Raptors keep getting hurt. Already playing without Rondé Hollis Jefferson, who has what Nick Nurse called a pretty mild right ankle sprain. Already without Patrick McCaw, who Nick Nurse said has a pretty mild broken face. Um, McCaw <laughs> broke, broke his nose. I, I just I love the way that Nick has responded to questions about McCaw. He's like, "Oh yeah, like there's no damage uh, other than the broken nose." Uh, so neither of those guys are expected out for too long. Um, Nick Nurse talked spoke about them as if they are possible options for the back-to-back that's coming up. But within that game, Marc Gasol also left with left hamstring tightness. Uh, you'll remember Marc Gasol missed 12 games earlier in the year with a left hamstring strain. He initially left that game against the, Pit- the Pistons with what was called left hamstring tightness. So I don't know that we can find relief in the uh, less severe diagnosis right now. We'll probably know more thursday because the raptors are not practicing wednesday and then og ananobi left the game after hurting his left shoulder reaching for a steal Uh, he then also landed kind of awkwardly after trying to contest a jeff teague shot i spoke to og after the game he had you know a wrap of ice on it as you'd expect he said it just kind of popped a little bit but he was very unconcerned as og ananobi is with all things so uh, the raptors will probably enter thursday's game with four guys who are questionable or some sort of designation like that Dewan Hernandez is also still out with a sprained ankle that won't heal and has him back in a walking boot uh Eric my question to you from all of this is what the hell
1: <laughs> um yeah they have not been particularly lucky uh, I think Marc Gasol having some injury issues this year is not a surprise it's disappointing that it would almost be more comforting if it were another body part rather than his hamstring again. Uh, uh, I mean, it sounded like it wasn't as bad as the first one, but we don't know. I I didn't see his immediate reaction. um, So I I can't, and uh, we didn't talk to him after the game. So uh it'd be a bummer to lose him for any extended period of time although again if they're going to be undermanned this isn't a bad time for them to be working through that uh but eventually it will be a bad time uh it's the nba man uh, there's no way to get your head around it i i remember uh i think i don't remember if it was the first or second year of the raptors Made the playoffs, but they lot they had only lost like five or eight man games in their starting lineup, and it was one of those. Is Alex McHackney like a genius? There's none of these soft tissue injuries happening. Um, and I mean, Alex McHackney is from what I can tell <laughs> a genius, but
0: very good at his job, yeah,
1: but injuries happen and you can only do so much to stop them from happening and sometimes they pile up in an unfortunate way and this seems to be one of those damn years where they keep piling up in an unfortunate way uh well you know, i think a
0: piling up does make some sense in that the more injured you are the greater a load probably yeah. falls on the healthier guys um the fact that the raptors have three kind of older guys as well um two of whom all actually three of whom have been hurt but also like Gasol's hamstring and Siakam's groin are those type of injuries, but also like guys just kept getting their fingers broken or their faces broken or mild, or like mildly
1: twitch. broken. Blake. Yeah. That's... Their faces
0: mildly broken. <laughs> um, like OG got poked in the eye again. Uh, even like the ankle stuff. Like, I don't know that you can avoid ankle injuries even with an incredible medical staff in basketball. So I don't think there's, you know, the Gasol thing is absolutely worth monitoring the rest of the year and I'm trying to figure out a way to make sure that doesn't crop back up. But I don't think this is a, you know, I don't know that you could point to the medical staff and be like, well, McKechnie's not keeping those fingers sturdy enough. The calcium in the diet is not there. Uh, These bones keep breaking. So it's been unfortunate. I guess the, the nice thing is, is like we're at the point in the season where they've dealt with this so much that there's not even... There's not even the worry of like, well, who do they turn to? Like, can they turn to? It's like last night it was just like, no, Chris Boucher is going to play 13 minutes. He's going to play really well because there's, you know, a pretty good sample now that Chris Boucher can fill in as that fifth big man if Rondé or Mark or uh, Serge aren't available. Um, so they have they they even gave Matt Thomas 12 minutes last night and he got to play with starters who could get him the ball and stuff. And it was uh, it was fun to see.
1: Do you think Alex will work with me on a story titled Thumbs, the great Alex McCackney's nemesis?
0: Oh, uh, no, I absolutely don't. I think (laughs) him speaking about Kobe last night before the game, which was really nice and really touching and and, uh, appreciated that Alex shared some of his Kobe memories with us. Uh, I think that's probably the last time we'll get him on record. <laughs> so um, I thought bec- I thought because I had just mentioned Matt Thomas, you were talking about doing a story with Alex Wong at first. And I was going to say, yes, absolutely. If it's about Matt Thomas.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um. Anyway, it's yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see Chris Boucher again. Uh, Nick Me Nurse too. had mentioned how he wanted to play him. And one of the Raptors got back to full health, but he named 11 people who he wanted to play. <laughs> it's tough he to also do.
0: said he was going to change his starting lineup a bunch and hasn't yeah. done it since. So. Do you think
1: Nick nurse will cooperate with me on a story titled Nick nurse liar?
0: Probably not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably um. Probably not. Yeah. So I'm excited to see Chris Boucher again. Uh, hopefully the injuries are not long and are not serious. Uh, but what we've learned so far is that the Raptors, at least in the context of the regular season and softer portions of their schedule, which they are in the midst of, can very much find different routes to victories in, in those situations.
0: We talk about physical fitness a lot on this podcast, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness calm the number one app for sleep and meditation has teamed up with lebron james to help you train your mind lebron and calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body and calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better have less stress and perform at your best for a limited time our listeners can join lebron in using calm with a 40 percent discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash raptors unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better Get started at calm.com slash Raptors. That's com C-A-L-M dot com. C-O-M slash Raptors. Uh, Eric, you mentioned the soft part of the schedule that the Raptors are in right now. Um, that continues this week with you on a road trip to Cleveland and Detroit. The Raptors then return home for a Super Bowl Sunday game against Chicago. This creates a... This is the story for the week, is that the Raptors have currently won eight in a row. They have three fairly easy, again, not that any game is easy, but even the second night of a back-to-back in Detroit uh, is not particularly daunting right now. The Raptors, if they win out this week, will tie a franchise record with their 11th straight win. Are they going to do it?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, the Raptors very rarely lose to teams that are bad. (laughs) <laughs>
0: they have done so twice all season to teams under 500.
1: And even those, and those teams came within
0: 3 games of each other.
1: And those teams San Antonio and Portland you would say are two of the more at least talented teams that are under 500.
0: Yes, they're both uh, within 3 games of a playoff spot in the West, but our Memphis Grizzlies holding down that number 8.
1: Also, the frisky Phoenix Suns baby winning in Dallas last night.
0: Yeah, there you go. As I've said many times to friends when they ask why uh, I'm watching League Pass at midnight on a on a weeknight when there are no good games on, the Phoenix Suns aren't going to watch themselves.
1: Yeah, they won it by I 29 do, uh, in Dallas last night. Yeah,
0: it's a lot of Aaron Baines. I'm here for it.
1: Um, it's going to be a fun oh, race. And I'm going to
0: be in Phoenix. I'm going to be in Phoenix later in the year. Which is that your is that, your, fr- is that your first
1: there. time in Phoenix?
0: Not my first time in Phoenix in general, but yeah, my first time going a to a Phoenix Suns game
1: yeah it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think
0: after that trip, I will have more than half the league checked off now for some. ah time.
1: congrats. i after Indianapolis uh, after trade deadline, I think I'm at twenty five of the thirty and uh, well, that's why you're the lead right yeah, no, until you pass me <laughs> now next next year, we're just gonna you're gonna secretly just campaign without my knowledge to go to weird ass cities that you haven't been to. Uh, yeah, to... like Utah. Yeah. Well, you could have gone to Utah this time, but you're bailing. I
0: don't want to do. I don't want to go Sacramento to Utah on a back to back.
1: And th- then in that case, you'll never be the lead writer. Not with that. Yeah, well, not with that trademark play like... though. Uh, yeah, you do. I think I've been to fourteen or so in baseball.
0: I got twenty two for baseball. Yeah. I Yeah. Yeah. So. And then I have what? I think I'm at thirteen for. The NBA, which covers 14 teams because of Staples, obviously.
1: Yeah. Uh, We've been to some sporting places, Blake. You and I. Sure have.
0: I've only been to two football stadiums, though. Buffalo and Detroit.
1: I've been to Buffalo and Miami. Um, There you go. That's it, too. I'm not
0: going to Jacksonville until the Jaguars promise change.
1: (laughs) Bring Bortles in as offensive coordinator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Also, I just don't really want to fly through Macho Man Randy Savage International Airport in Jacksonville.
1: Non-international airport. Non-international airport, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, man. The Good Place ends this week. Uh, Oh, shit,
0: it does. Sorry for swearing. Sorry for saying the
1: shit word. Let's, Let's pour one out for a show that I don't think has been as strong in seasons three and four as it was in one and two, but is still a miracle in terms of a sitcom a type of sitcom being on broadcast television. Uh I appreciate it very much.
0: Yeah. It's like, and this season, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give anything away or detract too much from what we're talking about here, but uh, actually I do want to detract. from. Yeah. What we're talking about. I am very aware. We're just going to talk about the good place. Now um, I, I really appreciate that. They've tried to do this fourth and final season from a very earnest place. Um Ted Danson has been particularly excellent in that regard. Uh, But this is a show that like when the first season came out and we all really loved it, you know, I think even those of us who were really optimistic about the show and love Michael Schur, you know, there was questions about how long it could last. And Schur talked about when they decided that this would be the last season, it would close out with a 50 episode uh, history that, yeah, you just can't really run it all that long um, and kind of continue to have that tension that that the show like that moral and philosophical tension that the show necessitated Uh, early on but it's excellent i think the first two seasons of it will hold up as two of the best seasons of um, sitcom television and then we'll see how it ends but i think you know even though three and four have taken a dip i I still think it's going to hold up pretty well as a as an entire thing
1: uh i agree and for some reason now i'm yearning for a go-kart race with monkeys blake
0: yeah that'd be sweet Um, that would be sweet uh eric to keep us, I'm non- gonna I'm gonna
1: have to I'm gonna have to mute a lot of things on Thursday night on Twitter. Oh
0: yes, I thought you were about to mute something now, like Walter was coming in or something like that. No, that would have been way more no. fun.
1: No, I I helped me compile a list after this podcast of keywords I should be muted.
0: Are you really at that much risk of like I I don't know that I see people. I never mute anything except for. Um, I muted the first night of Wrestle Kingdom stuff.
1: Yeah, well, obviously. (laughs) When that was going on. I don't Um, usually do it. I just think, like, there's so much... um, What's the right word? Not history, but... There's... I I don't even know how much Like, people are going to
0: be tweeting about the finale, but I don't know that they'll be tweeting specific things that ruin anything for you. I just think they'll be tweeting about the show ending in general. But
1: I just don't even want to hear the reactions really. That's fair. But i also Yeah, you don't
0: want to you don't want to read a bunch of stuff about how people didn't like the the final episode or something. Yeah.
1: But also like more than most sitcoms, I I think they're or, or at least old school sitcoms, there are a lot of resonant plot points and and certainly philosophical points, uh that I would like to come in fresh to, uh versus not knowing uh, versus knowing what's coming. So uh, uh, entirely fair. Yeah. Anyway. So you'll be on the road in Cleveland and Detroit. You will be
0: driving with two other writers. We won't mention who uh, just for obviously your collective safety, you guys being such huge public figures as um, well, two of you as the lead writers of your respective basketball outlets. I can only imagine what the Cleveland and Detroit scene would be if people knew who and and when they were arriving. Uh, But, I have to ask you, we joked in the media room last night about who gets uh, music control, and the person driving suggested it be split responsibility. Have you thought on what you're going to make them listen to for your portion of the DJ time? Uh,
1: I have not yet. I ha- in, in these situations before, I have been accused by many people um, of playing too depressing music. Um,
0: that doesn't sound like you.
1: I don't think that's entirely fair. Like I like what happens is I'm trying to play something like agreeable within the scope of stuff that I like. And so like, I keep like the louder stuff and and the more abrasive stuff out of, out of these mixes, but maybe so. So it ends up, I think being a lot of mid tempo, uh, stuff but maybe pace and speed get equated with mood you know yeah
0: like with those people i think like i think you'd be better off to use an example of two bands that i think you like like i think los campesinos might play better than tame impala even though the los campesinos lyrically would be very very um saddening i don't know that they'll be listening that closely so you might get a better response with that kind of energy
1: yeah maybe but then like you've got A guy with a non-traditional voice, right? Who's that's true. Who could be? And this is like, I, I know you're not a big Titus Andronicus fan, but that's another example of like something that's like typically more upbeat and harder rocking, but his voice can act as like a total barrier to entry um so do you like
0: do you like the algiers because they have a, a new album out that might uh, i haven't bad.
1: heard them so maybe maybe i will I'm, spend some time listening to them today
0: i'm not a huge fan but you your music taste tends to overlap a ton with my co-host of columbia house party jake goldsby and he really likes that album so maybe you'll know. like
1: it good to know uh yes. so i i'm not sure uh but I don't think I have a good selection of songs downloaded on my phone right now. My phone is at a dire state in terms of memory on it, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to pick pick wisely, I guess, but uh hopefully I can find a few albums that are um agreeable. That's always
0: the issue with a phone that has photos on it, right? What's more important, Eric? The memory or the memories, you know?
1: Deep. That's
0: yeah. Uh okay. There are actual games that the Toronto Raptors will play. You might not be super invested in them beyond the winning streak. There is one other thing at stake this week. The Miami Heat lost uh, on Tuesday night while the Raptors were winning. I keep hesitating before I say what day of the week it is because I have no idea generally. Um, it It was a strange night in the NBA. You mentioned Phoenix hammering Dallas. Milwaukee scored 151 points in regulation.
1: And still, like, that game was in doubt in, uh, early in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, Boston
0: did the Raptors a favor by beating Miami, making that East race uh, even tighter. So right now, the Raptors, uh, Heat, and Celtics are all within a game and a half of each other. Philly and Indiana are within another game and a half of that. So still only three point three games separating second and sixth. That'll be something to watch all season long over these last 35 games. More immediately, though, if the Raptors, because the Raptors are now ahead of the heat in the standings and the All-Star coach selection locks in at the end of games on Sunday, February 2nd, if the Raptors win out this week, Nick Nurse and his staff will coach Team Giannis at All-Star weekend. Um, Mike Budenholzer of the Milwaukee Bucks is ineligible because he coached that team last year and he can't coach uh, the All-Star game in consecutive years as a head coach. So that would be... You know, I'm sure that there's an element of for everyone of that's a really nice honor and it means a lot and they'd love to do it. And then also, damn, my only chance at a break during uh, a long, long season is gone. Um, I think it would be pretty cool, though, like given especially given Nick Nurse's long path to this point and his, um, you know, his own kind of bet on yourself, grind it out. Backstory for him to coach an all star game, I think would be really cool for him. I don't want to speak for him, but I'd imagine it would mean a lot
1: yeah and like especially coming off a championship, uh a run that saw him really get creative and, and make some great you know moves that helped his team uh, thrive. Uh, he's certainly gained a reputation as one of the uh more out of the box outside the box thinkers this year. Uh, I'm excited for the box and one in the all star game. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that that will be a first probably uh, yeah it, you know the as we've seen with guys like I mean every coach there, there's not other than like this new wave of like straight from NBA player all-star to to coach stories which we're now seeing less of there was a brief spike in that with like Jason Kidd and and Derek Fisher, um, not that Derek Fisher was an All Star, but you take my point. Coaches have very different roots, and and Nick Nurse's, uh, which I wrote about when he took over head coach. Uh, the head coach job is one of the more sec- I can can never say this word circuitous. Circu, it was a it was lengthy and took different stops. Um, It'd be nice to honor him and you know but same goes for Spolstra who you started as a video guy uh but look Nick deserves it as much as anybody else and uh I think he's going to get it
0: Sure looks that way if the uh if the Raptors win out the week Nick Nurse will coach Team Giannis and get that tampering
1: going Yeah um I'm see, here for uh, it. yeah maybe uh maybe they'll add Masai to the staff um all of a sudden, to the coaching staff, uh, if if yeah,
0: that gets. that Giannis Siakam Embiid starting East frontcourt, the Raptors 2021 frontcourt after they buy low on Embiid this summer because the Simmons Embiid pairing can't work, and then uh, I don't know how somehow you maintain the space for Giannis. They'll be fine. will figure, right. figure it out, Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll get there by the way i haven't read it yet but there is uh we we brought dan robson on the podcast a couple weeks ago to discuss his big feature on bobby webster he kind of had a number two piece like a second piece of that come up uh today at the athletic.com slash raptors or the athletic.com slash toronto about bobby webster's relationship with kyle dubas the general manager of the toronto maple Leafs. uh having spoke to robson about this story before it's come out while i haven't read it yet i'm sure it's really good so you can check that out uh, as well we have some cool stuff coming up eric has the kyle lowry piece on thursday that we strongly hinted at earlier i have uh i have some things cooking and then the trade deadline is next week so we'll be on top of anything like that uh, if you missed it and i don't think you did but maybe you're listening to this and are not a subscriber yet in which case you can go to the athletic.com slash we the six that's the number six not spelled out six uh the athletic.com slash we the six Uh, for a discount off a subscription and check it out. Uh, The trade deadline would, if you didn't sign up during the finals, the trade deadline week is probably the best time to check it out and and do your trial or hop on board. Um, We did, Eric did a trade tiers column kind of ranking the likelihood of different Raptors players being dealt and why. I provided a trade deadline primer going into what assets the Raptors have, what the cap rules are, um, what options are available to them. And then I did my annual Mailbag column that I really like called All Your Trade Ideas Are Bad. Um, they were not all bad. It's just a joking title. But we went through a lot, a lot, a lot of potential Raptors trade options. So um, look for that. And then Eric and I will probably, I'd assume, talk Monday or Tuesday next week uh, for this podcast. And we'll talk about trade deadline stuff. Because at that point, the Raptors will have won 11 straight games. We'll And we've already talked about the winning streak. The, at that point, Nick Nurse will be the... Head coach of Team Giannis, and we'll have already talked about that, as we did today. And I'll have just seen Poppy live in concert, and I don't think Eric will want to talk about that. So, we'll talk about trade deadline stuff instead. Does that sound good to you, Eric?
1: Uh, I'm copacetic, baby. Let's do it.
0: Sure. You definitely tuned me out and don't know what I was asking you. Um, I tell by the no, I,
1: I was vaguely listening. Uh, right. You mentioned Poppy. You mentioned talking yeah. about the trade deadline and the, and the winning streak. So uh, I was listening, man. Yeah,
0: we're good. It'll be a fun weekend. Three games in four days against iffy competition. Uh, the Bulls are plucky. Detroit's the second night of a back-to-back. But I think next time we talk to you, the Toronto Raptors will have tied a franchise record with their 11th straight win. I think we'll leave it there. Eric, It occurs so It again.
1: occurs to me, one final note, that this will be their third three games in four days stretch this year when the th- the third game... Has been an afternoon game, yeah. Um, which, which isn't ideal.
0: Was Christmas one of them?
1: Yeah, Christmas was yes, one of them, and was. then the Atlanta, the Atlanta game last last week on uh, Martin Luther King Day.
0: All right. Oh yeah, and if you haven't checked, but it, the I mean, Eric the, was on the, no
1: dunks. Yeah, the NBA hates the Raptors though, so that's why that's happening.
0: Yeah. Also, I had a conversation about this on Raptors Twitter the other day with Matt Chance of Raptors Republic and uh, Anna Jane Smith, who is a great follow for Raptors fans uh, about like just how there's this perception still that the Raptors are bad in afternoon games, even though their record over the last couple of years is phenomenal in afternoon. Game. They, they like they win 70 percent of their uh, tips that come earlier than 6 p.m. So, you know, I guess it's that residual game one storyline, just hanging over as as Sean Woodley surmised in, in that conversation. But yeah, the Raptors tend to do really well in those afternoon games, because even though those games get bogged down into sloppy, ugly, grinded out basketball, uh, the Raptors tend to be more talented than the teams they get into those mud fights with. So they'll probably be all right.
1: Uh, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Is it like the quality, the quality of any- basketball isn't great, but the result, which is the only thing anybody cares about, tends to be good.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right, Eric, I'm going to let you go, and I'll talk to you uh, once you're back from Cleveland and Detroit, and then we'll talk to these people next week on the podcast for Trade Deadline stuff. Eric, thanks, man.
1: Thank you. See ya.
2: It's Super Bowl week, Kavitha.
3: Yeah, man. I mean, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs just went off during these playoffs. And that Niners defense is just stout.
2: Right. And the one guy everyone will be watching closely is the dude who torched the souls of Packers fans and basically gave Jimmy Garoppolo the day off.
1: Hostert, left side. Another first down carry and more. How about a Touchdown. His fourth touchdown of the
3: ball game. Raheem Mostert ran for 220 yards and four touchdowns against Green Bay. This is a guy who was cut by six different NFL teams and who, before the season, was mostly seen as a special teams player.
2: And so today, we're going to speak with The Athletic's Tim Kawakami, who has been covering the 49ers for years, about how much of a surprise Mostert's performance really was, if he was a one-game wonder, And how surfing has influenced the way he runs.
3: The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. From Wondery and The Athletic, I'm Anders Kelto. And I'm Kavitha Davidson. This
1: is The Lead. It felt like something great was happening. There was just
2: something about the emotion and that moment.
1: the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy. Now. You I have never seen anything like that. That's not good news. This isn't a story where you interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you.
2: So, Tim, Raheem Mostert's performance against the Packers was truly historic. What was his reaction after the game?
3: It was like, you know, hey, Raheem, did you know it was one of the greatest games a running back ever had in the NFC Championship game? No, I did not actually. And truthfully, for you to even say that right now is like, I, I'm still shocked. Like I can't believe that. That's the kind of guy he is. The kind of guy a lot of these players are, but especially Raheem had been bouncing around from league, from team to team. Really wasn't thought of as a running back until the 49ers just started plugging him in there, and he just never had a bad run. He just never went for less than five yards, so you might as well just keep giving it to him.
1: Somehow, the handoff into the arms of Mostert. He's gone. Touchdown, San Francisco.
3: You know, just he still acts like a journeyman. He acts like a guy who was a special teams player who isn't going to be a featured back. While he's putting up some of the you know mega numbers in the playoffs, they, they all treat themselves and they look at the world like they're a bunch of journeymen. So it's, it's very very refreshing, uh, and I think it is a large part of how they've kind of coalesced together. They all nobody's bigger than anybody else in that locker room. Even the guy who goes for two hundred whatever yards in the NFC Championship game.
2: He's a surfer, right? He is a surfer.
0: First of all, you
3: got
2: no wetsuit on. You're just straight trunks. You riding longboard, shortboard? You been to Mavericks yet? Like, like walk us through the surfing and when you started and how you got into that.
0: You know, I started uh, surfing when I was about
3: 13 or 14, and uh, you know, it's just been a big hit for me. Uh, going out there on the waves and riding the waves like you see in this video, man. Um, just enjoying the, the, the atmosphere and the water, and I, I want to go to Mavericks. So you know, I'll almost got that. a surfing contract from Billabong. He's you know, Florida Waves so out here in California. We're not sure what that is, but uh, <laughs> I guess they get waves out there, and he's certainly he runs like a surfer.
1: Mostert in the backfield. He gets it. Samuel out in front. Touchdown
3: kind of feels the crest. He kind of like glides towards to where the hole is and he catches the next wave and there he's gone. And guys don't expect him to get past him and they get past him. It's not like a classic running back. He's not like Walter Payton juking, juking, juking. He's kind of, kind of filling the moment, feeling where it is. The wave hits and then he's gone. It's a very interesting kind of combination of a surfer running back. And uh, do you think he's been enjoying his time in the spotlight here? <laughs> yes, I think he has. He understands what it's like not to be any part of this. To be a, such an afterthought, you're cut by five teams. He understands that you know a world where he's not a star. He's lived in that world, so he's going to enjoy it a little bit. Again, I don't think he's seeking out crazy fame, but these guys are all kind of enjoying it right now. They're all kind of like, "This is pretty good. This is pretty good right now." And so, Tim,
2: dirt's performance seemed to come out of nowhere. But did you foresee this?
3: You know, I don't think you ever foresee a guy going for 200 plus and then NFC Championship, unless he's you know top, top pick. He certainly wasn't, but he's been impressive every time he's carried the ball. He's been impressive, he's been a star special teamer, so you knew he had some skills, but you saw something building there. And you sometimes running backs just come out of nowhere. this is the Shanahans are famous for that, pulling some guy out of the fifth round, he runs for a thousand yards. Mostert is in that category. They tapped into something with him. Kyle Shanahan recognized it. So he's been good for most of the season.
2: Well, Tim, thanks for joining us. And it'll be interesting to see if Mostert and the 49ers can pull it off on Sunday.
3: All right. I'll see you. Talk to you later.